that you had a, a magic topic that you wanted to record. Actually, even more exciting was the fact that um, it's like, probably been like <laughs> it's probably been like three months or something since we could get her to get her to sit down at a table. Woo wee! I don't understand why this is a topic of discussion. This is so, not new. No, because we so we had this topic, and you said no. I, I know what it was. What we learned as teachers that helped mm. us as parents, but then you said, "Oh no, we're going to save that because I have a, one that I wanted to do first, and that was a few days ago." Yeah, I don't remember what that was, and that should not surprise you either. Mm. Oh, so look, I'm setting the uh, timer. So well, sometimes it's a sand timer. It's really cool. It's a 15-minute sand timer. Actually, I'm going to start it once we start the actual content of the recording. This is the content of the recording. Oh, so I got to turn it back. Okay, now I'm turning it back. So it's now the 15 minutes of started. It, it's been a while, and we are back, and we are so glad <laughs> to chat with you. So this would be welcome to episode number 65. 65. So did you want to do the one about the teaching parenting? We could talk about whatever. Okay. That it. seems heavy, but okay. All right. Right, so give the background because it was the concept of something that triggered that because you were talking about how you were interested in <laughs> what <laughs> you were interested in something things we learned as teachers that helped us as parents and that probably came from somewhere. Do you know where that came from? No, no, you you hadn't told me that part. <laughs> so go back to your memory from five weeks ago. Do I can't go back to my memory from 10 minutes ago. Oh I don't know what you were talking about. You asking me so many questions. Y'all, <laughs> he just went to this document on his computer. March 8th, which I imagine is when I first said, oh, we should talk about this. Mm -hmm. And here's how we are different. <laughs> I am an ideator. I have ideas. I have ideas before I wake up in the morning. Like I have ideas in my head that wake me up yeah, out of my sleep. So this is my mode of operation. I will put my idea out there and if it sticks, if it doesn't, it's fine and move on to the next one. Dave, however, when I say, oh, we should talk about that. He sets a reminder to think about what he would like to talk about in that podcast. So months later, because this was in March, months later when I have moved on to all the things, he is, oh, let me tell you what I already have figured out. And he's got a list of how many? Just, well, yeah. there's so mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Keep on scrolling. 30. There are a list of 30 <laughs> things on this man's computer of what we've learned about parenting from teaching. He is going to talk from his list and I'm going to talk from the top of my head. Welcome to Kitchen Conversations with a Crumb Minds. Number one? <laughs> yes, please do tell oh, me. Oh, no, you start. Tell me. Oh, oh, no, Miss Ideator from the top of her head. Okay, fine. I just gave the warm-up intro. What is something I've learned from teaching that? Start from the beginning that the idea of, it's just that correlation that's very strong, that we think, we, we believe that if someone, they're so closely related in those roles that if someone oh, yeah. has some strengths as a teacher, they're probably going to have strengths. But I think most of the people who are listening to our podcast are not teachers. Or, so I but, would say thinking about your role as a parent and how, for better or worse, when we send our kids to school, we are passing the parenting torch to our kids' teachers. And so there's something really powerful. Like when you think of it that way, the relationship that you should be seeking to form with your child's teacher 
is a little different, right? If the relationship that I have with Dave and I think about, oh, I'm sending my kids off into this world where this other adult is going to be responsible for them and for teaching them and for growing them as a human over the next however many hours, I need to be on the same page as that person. So I think there's a lot to be discussed there. We won't go into all that. I think one of the things that I think helped us be better parents from teaching is just like this realization that kids are little people. Right, like they are, they have their own thoughts, they have their own feelings, they have their own questions. And in most cases, kids are not trying to undermine anything. Like they're just being and they are learning in the process. And so when I think when I went into being a parent, I really was like, let me just see who these people are. So I didn't approach it like it's my job to imprint upon them. It's my job to see them and to honor where they are. Like our people, our little kids only know, they've only been alive for five minutes, y'all. Like they are learning so, so much. And it's our job as teachers to acknowledge where they are and how little they've learned and to encourage them to learn more. And I think as a parent, I'm just like, my kids have only been here for five minutes. There's a lot about the world they don't know and I can either poo their curiosity or I can cultivate it. And I think that's something that I learned from teaching that I apply to parenting. The first one to me was always a a bombshell that some of the kids that I noticed seemed to be the worst behaved were teacher's kids. And I didn't understand that completely and I don't completely understand it now. I have a theory. Go for it. I think they, they give Like teachers give all day to countless children, right? If you're in elementary school, you're like 25 and you are dealing with all of the emotions, all of the needs, all of the expectations to raise 25 kids in a day. And you are dealing with the inputs and expectations of adults in a system that is often pretty jacked up. You are spent, Like the time that you have and the emotional capacity that you have to then come home and parent your own children, like you you just don't have a lot to give. I think that's most people who go to work, but I think teaching in and of itself is a particularly, can be a particularly draining experience. Think about when we came home after teaching and we had little people. Like we were hell bent to not be those teacher parents. We had context that and fortitude that I think most people just don't have. They were tired. And we didn't want that to happen to ours, so that was definitely in our head. The other layer of it was maybe just teachers not seeing that connection between parenting and teaching. Because if you don't see that connection, Mm. then you're going to parent one way, you're going to teach another way. But if you think that there's a parallel, you're going to do them the same. Yep. And to me, like parenting with the same expectations and keeping those expectations high as a teacher almost made it easier because I didn't have to code switch. I didn't have to think, I mean, yes, of course, you're going like, to be hugging on your own kids and be more like physical love and all of that because it's your kids. And you can take, you, you can be more bold in what you say. But ultimately, what also came down to was a big lesson for me to go back to the topic of what I learned from teaching was that frustration from a parent comes from fear. And that fear comes from like a lack of awareness of options. If you think, here's the problem the kid is doing, and whether you, it's conscious or not doesn't matter, because your thoughts, whether you're aware of them, or your thoughts, whether you're not aware of them, are still going to turn into action. 
if I think subconscious or conscious as the thought. I only know one option to fix this, or I know zero options to fix this problem of my child doing XYZ wrong. If I don't see the three options, if I don't see a strong option, I'm going to rely on the fear that I don't know how to fix this. If I don't know how to fix it, and that fear can very easily, not always, but very easily can turn to frustration, we've talked about that on the podcast before, then the I'm barking at you or do anything else that's just negative energy, it goes back to what you said at the beginning, is like, they're little people. I always was blown away as a teacher that they're little adults because we would see them, fourth graders, fifth graders, and, and, and go to their high school graduation. And for a few, their college graduation. And I would say, oh my gosh, that quote-unquote kid that I'm looking at is actually the same kid that I finished teaching. So it wasn't like they were these two vastly different people. Yeah, of course, they're grown, and as our eldest daughter says, more adulty. <laughs> they're the same person. So then all of a sudden, it was an epiphany for me because I realized that the kid I'm teaching at 9 and 10 years old and maybe even later in middle school, that's not going to be a different person older uh, when they're older. That's actually the little adult that they will become mm. is now And so then all of a sudden I realized like the responsibility on my shoulders that however I felt like they finished off with me in whatever like emotional intelligence I could teach, character, I could teach choice making, study habits, grit, like any of those things, self-patience, self-discipline, awareness, like anything that I could teach if this is the little adult now, it's not really about later, but like, I got to get this child as strong as humanly possible. So if I'm barking at the kid and I'm doing it because that's my fault for the most part, outside of maybe exceptional circumstances where that's the only thing the kid's going to listen to. That's like a whole nother conversation. But for the vast majority of kids, like they don't need that because that little adult is then going to believe that's what they need to do when they get older and they're working with other adults, they're working with other kids. And so I think that was like a big piece that I took away from teaching. I think if I I think if I was like to put that in one sentence, it's like this awareness that everything you do is teaching. Like the way you react to situations, you are teaching your kids how to react to situations. The way you process information, the way you manage your emotions or don't manage your emotions. Like kids are putting the pieces together by watching your behaviors, which is funny to me because it's that's exactly what we do as adults. Like people can say anything they want, but we we size them up by they by their behavior. And our kids naturally do that at a young age. So this notion of realizing that they are building awareness in who they are going to be every step of the way. And that doesn't mean you have to be perfect, right? Like, we're not saying that at all. It's more how you choose to be intentional about developing and what you put in front of them. The biggest one for me, hands down, and it's ironic that I'm talking about this now because it connects back to a book that triggered the thought for me, which I'll come back to, was you, as a teacher, are not just changing their academics. You're always going to be working on their character. And it dawned on me early on, in particular because of the Dalai Lama and reading The Art of Happiness, 
was that you're not going to change someone else if you're not willing to change yourself. And yes, that sounds like that could be on a t-shirt, but I'm like, for real, that's the way that it works. Like, you can sit there and, and say, you need to be a good listener. And then when the kid makes the mistake, all you're doing is lecturing. You can say, <laughs> you need to understand how someone thinks or feels. Like, you can't just do that negative thing to that other kid while you're not listening to the child in the situation. Because you, as the adult, believe you have all the answers. So that's not just goes back to Gandhi's story about the sugar, which is mom comes and says, can you help my child stop eating sugar? He says, sure, come back in a week. She's frustrated a bit because she had to, it's not like you can just show up and easily meet Gandhi. It's not that simple. A week later, she goes through this arduous process of going back to meet Gandhi, says, it's been a week. Can you please, you told me to, to wait a week. Can you please come back, help my child stop eating sugar? Yes, I remember you. He turns to the child and says, stop eating sugar. She, <laughs> in modern terms, would probably say, really? <laughs> Not quite sure how it was said then. Why didn't you tell my son that then? And he looked in her eyes and said, because I was still eating sugar then. It, th this notion that you can teach but not be. Mm. That you mm. can tell someone, you know, what's the classic, the cliche one? Do as I say, say not as I, I do. do. But you, can't, you can't do that. But what you do, going back to what we said a few minutes ago, what you do comes from your thoughts. So it, it, you, you can't just do it and BS it. Because some of the best, most powerful people in the world at seeing BS are kids. Like, I, sometimes I feel like they're better at it than, than adults. They perceive stuff so well. And maybe because they don't see all the crazy filters and faces and layers we do as adults. Meaning that if you're not going to change and you're expecting a kid to change, it's going to be fake. And, and the kid's going to see right through it. It's not going to work. And if you're just your teaching of it's going to be terrible. If, if the title of the podcast, the concept of the podcast is like, what do you learn as a teacher to be as a parent? I believe, and I don't know for sure, that I've watched parents believe that they're parenting when they're not willing to adjust themselves back to the concept of sugar and Gandhi. Like, you, you cannot help a child from that young adult they are to be a wonderful human being if you do not have the honesty and, and, and the vulnerability, which you inside and out, that word, if you're not willing to be like, yep, I, I stink at these particular things, whether they're connected to my child or not, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to continue to make those weird choices or bad habits or, or things that you know are hurting you? Everyone's got bad habits, right? Everyone makes choices. They make it don't work. But things that are not making you a full human being and then turn around and believe that you're going to be a strong parent, I call BS. I was listening to you and then I could not listen to you anymore. <laughs> Because I was stuck at the, this notion that you can teach and not be. Like, I have that little emoji where your brain is just like exploding. Because I think sometimes we forget or don't realize that the way we live our lives are the greatest, is the greatest teacher. Like, it's how we teach. And I just, I'm like, I feel like I just need to sit with that for a second. Because I think as parents, we can get so busy doing. And to your point, like trying to teach and trying to parent in a certain way versus saying, who do I need to be to model 
the type of person I want my child to be? Like what behaviors do I need to exhibit? What behaviors do I need to model in order for my children to see what it looks like to be this type of person? And I think that's just like a revolutionary question to ask. It's almost like atomic habits, right? Like you set this goal and then you're like, okay, so what are the behaviors? Who do I need to be to realize this type of goal? And not that our children are goals to be accomplished, but rather when I when we had our kids, I was like, I want our children to be the type of people who, and then I had to ask myself, like, I want to raise a child, my children who are confident and who are willing to engage with people from all different walks of life and to be accepting and to be curious. Then the question became, how do I need to be to facilitate them becoming those type of people? I need to be curious. They need to see me interacting with people of all walks of life. They need to see me not judging. They need to, I need to say it and I need to be it. And I think sometimes the challenge comes when there's, is it incongruity? Is that the word? Like where it's incongruity or misalignment between what we say and what we expect of our kids and then what we be, what we live. And I think that gap is a place where then kids are confused and confused kids pick the easy route. And, and sometimes that easy route is not always the one we want them to take. And the outro. That didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. Well, here's what's funny is I'm just going to take that part that then shifted the emotion and the energy of the podcast into a direction you didn't want. I'm just going to cut that part off. So it's going to finish at the part that you liked. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Whatever. We've been, we're a little out of practice, but we, we're going to have a little more time to do fun things like this in a few weeks.